I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we turn back the clock to the episode of NXT that originally aired on November 20th, 2013. In this episode, it's all about beating the clock. And it's also all about who gets to beat the crap out of peak Bo Dallas. Yeah! Welcome to episode 27 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, Jeff B. Lee was here, and we had a fantastic time. Yeah, we did. It was great. This episode, it's just us again, but we have quite the show to cover. An episode with a single story running throughout the entire thing. Which you don't always see in wrestling. Yeah. The vast majority of this episode is devoted to the Beat the Clock Challenge, and Bob will be breaking down every minute. Or at least several of them. Several (laughs) of the minutes. In Bob's Breakdown. After that, we'll spend some quality time with the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling before swinging the pendulum over to the wrestling term of the week. And as time starts to run out, we'll look to the future in the Cheap Pop Quiz. But first, it's time to get the answers to last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz. Bob is up to nine points in our third round of quizzing, so all she needs is one correct answer. Let's see if she got it. Come on! Question number one. Next episode centers around something called a Beat the Clock Challenge. I'm going to let you find out for yourself what that is, but how many wrestlers are involved? And as Jeff pointed out when we read this question, this can vary depending on the Beat the Clock Challenge. I was specifically referencing this Beat the Clock Challenge. Is it A, 2, B, 4, C, 8, D, 16, or E, 20? Bob, you guessed B, four wrestlers? Uh, That is incorrect. The answer is C. It involves eight wrestlers in this case. All right, I'll take that. Question number two. Next episode also features the return of Bo Dallas, back from the Bo Dallas versus the World Tour. Bo is so excited to see the NXT audience that he decides to celebrate with them Oprah style. According to Bo, what does every member of the audience get? A, a toy car, B, a party hat, C, a balloon, D, a cookie, or E, a shot at the NXT Championship. Mm. Bob, you guessed B, a party hat. Unfortunately, as you now know, the answer was D, a cookie. He offers all of them a cookie. That was a much better option as far as producing goodwill with the audience was concerned, for sure. He was wearing a party hat while he did it, so maybe you should get, you know, partial credit. I'm not going to make you do partial credit, but I want partial (laughs) credit. Half a point for those who know. (laughs) Question three. You know, if the S.H.I.E.L.D. actually were about justice, I'd say it'd be nice to have them back right about now because there is a major injustice going down in NXT. What is it? Is it A, Sami Zayn has served his suspension, but JBL refuses to reinstate him. B, Sami Zayn has served his suspension and JBL reinstates him, but he refuses to give Sami an opportunity to become number one contender. C, Sami Zayn has served his suspension, JBL does reinstate him, and he does give him an opportunity to become number one contender, but he blatantly stacks the odds against Sami. D. Sami has served his suspension, JBL reinstates him, JBL gives Sami an opportunity to become number one contender, and doesn't stack the odds against him, but when the match ends in a tie, JBL arbitrarily gives the victory to Zayn's opponent. Or E. Renee Young isn't here, and some new person is trying to interview people backstage, and that's what I call an injustice. Bob, you guessed C. JBL blatantly stacked the odds against Sammy. Uh, as you now know, JBL did none of those things. Yeah, it's true. He actually was perfectly fair and reasonable in this episode. The correct answer was E. Renee Young isn't here, and we have some new person trying to interview people backstage. Two new people. Two new people, in fact. That's correct. The correct answer was E. 
unfortunately, Bob, that means no points for you on this one, but uh, you're still only one away. You can do it. I can. I'm going to. I've been working out my quiz muscles. <laughs> Wait, wh- where are those? Uh, they're they're in the pinky finger. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, they're one of the least used muscles in the human. <laughs> All right, Bob. Well, with that, I think it's time for Bob's breakdown. Take it away. I just want to say, this is our age 27 podcast. That's right. Well, in baseball, there's a thing called your age 27 season. It's whenever you're statistically likely to be at your best as a baseballman. Oh, really? So this is the best our podcast will ever be at playing baseball. This is also the best chance our podcast will ever have to win the Royal Rumble. Oh, really? Because coming out to the Royal Rumble as number 27 is uh, historically the best number to have. So, yeah. Well, come on, podcast. Get out there and show some hustle. You could do it. That's right. And there's lots of crying in baseball and wrestling. So feel free to show your emotions (laughs) as well. That's right. Okay, so the episode begins with our favorite inhuman outer space boy coming out. And the audience basically (laughs) says, boo, go back to your home planet. And someone in the crowd holds up a fire this person sign. So (laughs) clearly somebody came prepared and with strong feelings. Uh, Like I said in the intro, this is peak Bo Dallas for me. Like when I think about Bo Dallas, I think about this promo that he's about to cut. There's something about it. So Bo's been on the Bo Dallas versus the world tour. He then decides to give cookies to the crowd and then yep. to fritter away the momentary goodwill that he has gotten with this audience. He gives us a slideshow <laughs> like, what are you doing in psychology? That's like that you're breaking all the rules of programming that you're trying to use to get people to not hate you. Well, I guess he's a heel now, so I guess it's fine. You know what? You should do nothing. That's what I want to see. A heel with a slideshow-based gimmick. Uh, that has been a thing. You know, (laughs) that makes so much sense, because it's kind of the worst. Yeah, that's been a thing at least, like, twice that I can think of off the top of my head. Oh my god. What is this world? Giving slideshows is actually, like, kind of a time-honored heel thing to do in wrestling, especially in WWE. I love it. It really... (laughs) I should have been the wrestling term of the week last time. (laughs) (laughs) I love it that they're like, you know what's the worst heel? It's just a relative that doesn't know when to stop. Ah, what a monster. The great thing about this is that Bo in this promo to me, he doesn't just come across as a thing from beyond that is attempting to act human. He's a thing from beyond that is specifically attempting to be John Cena. Oh, that's very interesting. I don't know how much you would have picked up on it, but specifically the moment in his slideshow when he talks about the guy who he, like, he cured. Oh, Norvit. Yeah, Norvit. (laughs) Who, like, what, he gave him a hug or something? And, like, he started feeling better? He had a, a debilitating condition? That feels to me like an explicit reference to the fact that John Cena is the king of the Make a Wish program. Oh, my God. So Bo is like trying to be this real stand up, you know, ambassador. JBL says it later, ambassador to the for the company doing the make a wish stuff. And he's, he's just a weird dude trying his best to be the champion. Mm. And I kind of love it. It endears him to me in a way. I mean, he's bad at it, but I love it. Like John Cena would never give a slideshow. Oh, man, that's excellent to know that he's like trying to be John Cena. I love this. That's how it looked to me anyway. So JBL comes out looking like a used car salesman from the greater Houston area and says he's very proud of Bo for some reason. And that's all that really matters about what JBL's there to do because Sami Zayn comes out <laughs> in a Misfits shirt, which to me was very important. Yes. And because uh, it made him look so cool. Guys, he's so cool. So Sami Zayn interrupts and JBL objects to this, but he admits that Sami Zayn served his suspension. Yep. And JBL's got to do its best for business, so Zane is reinstated. And now, like a dog who has heard the distant opening of a bag of snossages, he is <laughs> laser-focused. His sights are set on taking that championship off Bo Dallas. 
Bo points out that he's already lost once. And like, is he just a sore loser? It's not the worst point. I was sort of like, eh, yeah, it would come across that way. Okay. Well, I mean, he, but he lost. It was a little bit uh, shady, his loss to Bo. And Zane says, I will work my way up from the bottom again for another shot. And conveniently to this narrative, <laughs> there is a beat the clock challenge this very night. This very evening. <laughs> In fact, a distant <laughs> crack of thunder. <laughs> and everyone who's trying to become the number one contender is in on it. Including you, Sami Zayn. You're wrestling tonight. And now we get to find out who is the best at beating that bastard time. Mmm. I know. Old fucker. I can feel him coming for me. <laughs> Match one. First up is Big Cass gangling his way to the ring. And he is so greasy this time. He looks like a day-old French fry. <laughs> so this damp potato is wrestling Rusev. And uh, good fucking luck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, really? This seems cruel and unusual, but okay. I mean, we've seen Rusev make Big Cass tap out like ten times now. I know. It was very weird to go, oh... Is this like a match just to put over the fact that Cass could potentially be a wrestler? Hard to say. Although, honestly, like, I liked the match. Yeah. Like, I, I watched it again before we recorded. I was like, this is actually pretty good. Yeah, I think it shows both of them off. I mean, certainly Cass more than Rusev as a surprise, because we all know Rusev can wrestle. But they start yes. off with just some generic brawling, in case that we forgot that they're both just very large dudes. <laughs> So large. Rusev gets cast down on the mat, and after some insanity burpees, Cass is looking pretty rough. But Rusev is going to take advantage by going to <gasps> the second rope. No, wait, that's <laughs> called the middle rope, isn't it? No, it is called no, the second rope. No, it's the rope. second rope. Fucking nailed it. It should be called the middle rope, but it is not. <laughs> Rusev leaps at Cass from literally two and a half feet in the air. Uh, and Cass rolls out of the way. Uh, Cass struggles to his feet and decks Rusev a pretty good one, but Rusev answers by throwing him into the turnbuckle. Miles. That's right. Turnbuckle. Turnbuckle. Ah, it's good every time. Rusev locks in the accolade, but for the first time, we see someone get out of it as Cass makes it to the rope, which felt really weird because that historically has not been what Cass does. It's like, was he never trying before now? Yeah, yeah, well, maybe he's uh, just, like, been in it enough times now that he kind of figured out how he could maybe shift himself so it's not that bad. Oh, I like this. I like that we're doing a no prize for wrestling now. <laughs> I mean, he does eventually tap to it, spoiler alert, but, yeah. like, oh, you know, gosh. He, it takes longer. In case anybody definitely thought Big Cass was going to take this one. <laughs> so the hold is broken. Rusev isn't done, though. He gets Cass up in his arms like a fussy toddler and then knees him repeatedly in the kidneys. Don't let yeah. Rusev hold any children, people. <laughs> and Rusev goes back to his submission this time, and with his back bent like a very sweaty skate ramp, cast taps. Rusev gets the victory in 5 minutes 33 seconds, so whoever comes next has to beat that. The way this beat the clock challenge works, just so everyone knows, is that the first two wrestlers wrestle their match. It takes however long it takes. We mark however long it took, and that's the new time to beat for the next match. And if they go that time and nobody's won, the match is over. But if they win the match, if somebody wins the match in less than that time, that's the new time to beat. And then we continue with the subsequent matches in the same fashion. And the person who wins their match in the lowest amount of time gets the title shot against Bo Dallas. Yes, thank you for explaining that. Because definitely whenever I watched it, I was going, what's happening? And then whenever the clock was counting backwards, I freaked out. And I was like, did I miss part of it? So... This is all good information. They do an okay job of explaining it, but I think the way the people wrestle the match makes it pretty intuitive. Like yes. that they're trying to, you know, beat the clock. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right. Backstage we go. And none of our friends are here from last time, which is kind of a bummer. <laughs> Instead, it's Devin Taylor and she seems a nice person. She's here with our good, good hobbit boy, Adrian Neville, and apparently Corey Graves is injured, and, you know, she asks Neville about it, and he says, yeah, it's a bummer, but he did try to end my career by attacking my leg. 
So I'm going to focus on this beat the clock match with Aiden English, about which he assures us, quote, I'm the human roller coaster. I've got twists and turns that you'll never see coming. I'm a thrill a second. Yep. End quote. I don't want Adrian Neville to do this pseudo wrapping, but also <laughs> I now want him to do it all the time. He's not the worst at it. In fact, this is actually like a pretty decent promo from Neville. And uh, one that's very important because Corey Graves actually did suffer a concussion in that match and was on the shelf at this point. Ah, okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Also backstage, the literal only reference to women's wrestling in the show. Mm. It's Bailey spinning on an office chair all by her lonesome. She's sad that Charlotte betrayed her and they have so many memories. They have like three memories. (laughs) (laughs) Bailey hasn't confronted her yet but when she sees her again her fists are going to do the talking gosh dang it and that is the beginning and end of references to women's wrestling for this match so it is and that's a shame I do love the promo though it's very special she takes it so awkwardly and like when she does the thing with the fists these bad boys are going to do the talking and like she puts a second headband on to make herself more menacing. I know the second it's, headband was amazing. It is deeply cute. And uh, definitely the only thing that prevented me from going on any sort of rant about the lack of women's wrestling on this episode. We will get more soon, I hope. But uh, yeah, definitely enjoy the promo. Yeah. You know, the problem with this is that there are not enough words where we can add the word man into them like monotony that's right we need more of those i can't think of any but we need to have more some of these episodes like i feel like they would feel more vibrant with more women's wrestling and instead they're just so monochrome ah oh my god miles are so good at this I'm, I'm i'm here for you match two and it's Tyler Breeze versus Cash Sono. Beautiful blonde versus also very beautiful blonde. <laughs> Breeze comes out strong, whacking the frick out of Ono's head, trying to bring him further down to the mat and reducing the height difference. Because Breeze isn't that small, but compared to Cash Sono, he's definitely a little small. Yeah. And Ono battles back with some creative pin attempts. Would Monsieur care for an inside cradle? No, the gentleman would like something else. A backslide, perhaps? No, I see this will not work. Then how about I do a skin the cat and then try to boot you in the face? I realize I'm not actually doing a French accent. I'm doing an affectation of a French accent, but there you go. Sylvester Laford is very offended right now. Uh, Rightly so. As a person with an actual French accent, he should be. I do apologize, (laughs) Sylvester Laford. You're wonderful. I mean, except for your capitalist character. But other than that, your hideous fashion choices do delight me. Yes. Okay, so that doesn't actually go well because Breeze catches the leg that Cassius Ono is attempting to throw at him and then does a drop kick that knocks Ono off the apron into the outside. And Breeze struggles mightily to get Ono back into the ring like a man trying to wrestle a half-conscious Great Dane. It is at this point that the commentary team gets pissed that the ref isn't doing a count out. Miles, what's the deal here? Because boy, they were all head up about it. Yeah, I don't really know. I, I The commentary team chose some weird, random times to start yelling. Yeah. I think what they were yelling about specifically was that trying to get a count-out victory in a beat-the-clock challenge specifically is not productive. Like, obviously, the better your time is, the better chance you have of winning the challenge. So, to try and get a, a victory by count-out is not productive. Once Ono is back in the ring, we get to see the relatively short Breeze do a suplex on Cassius Ono, and it is like watching Breeze do a caber toss with a human man. That is how weird it looks. <laughs> then the match descends into some human pretzel gymnastics. Breeze goes for a pin, Cassius kicks out, and then they take turns somersaulting over one another and rolling around the mat like angry ferrets until <laughs> Ono gets Breeze's shoulder down for the three count. Yay, surf bum! And he beats the clock. He does beat the clock. Thank you for reminding me. That is the whole point of this endeavor. He beats Rusev's time by like 45 seconds. Yeah, which is quite good. Yeah. And now for an extraneous tag team match that means nothing. That's right. Two jobbers are in the ring. Then Camacho and Hunico come out. The bell goes. And after 
approximately 20 seconds. Huniko does a leap onto a jobber laid out in the ring and then pins him. Okay, so I guess the Ascension finally has some form of competition and good for them. Yeah, so um, Hunico and Camacho are actually, at this point, are sort of a main roster tag team. Really? Yeah, I, I didn't want to get too much into it when it was just Camacho, because this is our first episode meeting uh, Hunico, that you're meeting Hunico. Hunico's, whatever that move was he did, it was like maybe a senton? I don't know. It was very cool. It was a senton, and uh, it looked very much like Jeff Hardy's senton, the Swanton Bomb. Ah. Which you saw at our watch party when we did some uh, some Jeff and Matt Hardy Broken Universe stuff. Yeah! So the move that Jeff hit on Matt to initially break him in TNA was a Swanton Bomb. And that's basically what Hunico did here. In its more general sense, it is referred to as a Senton. Okay. Um, so good job, Bob. Thank you! So Hunico has had a really interesting career because he's best known under a different name. Oh, yeah. Which is Sin Cara. Oh my god, he's Sin Cara? Sort of. Okay. The original Sin Cara was a wrestler from Mexico. I mean, they're both from Mexico, but a different wrestler from Mexico, whose original name on the independent scene was Mistico. Okay. And ironically, Hunico also, in that same promotion, would also play the role of Mistico. But uh, Mystico got hired by WWE, repackaged as Sin Cara as a masked luchador, no face is obviously what that means, but then got suspended for violating the company drug policy. Oh. While he was suspended, WWE decided they could put Hunico in the same outfit with <sighs> the same mask and call him Sin Cara. Gasp. And... When Mystico came back, they actually had a feud over who got to call themselves Sin Cara. After Mystico won that feud, he was Sin Cara, and Hunico went back to being Hunico, which is what we're seeing now. So, yeah, that's where we're at with, with Hunico, and after he went back to being Hunico, he started teaming up with Camacho, and they were never really a thing like on Raw and SmackDown, but they would show up a lot on sort of the smaller shows, uh, doing some stuff that nobody really remembers, and uh, here at NXT as well. Oh my god, that's crazy. So, yeah, this is the state of the NXT Tag Team Division. We're seeing, like, this is basically like if Bo Dallas ran out of contenders, and so they had him fight Kurt Hawkins. <laughs> no, I shouldn't laugh. I love you, Kurt Hawkins. <laughs> oh my god, sorry, my brain is just melting from the fact that they were like, Wait a second, a guy in a mask? Somebody else could also be that guy in a mask. <laughs> I mean, definitely not the first time that's happened, as we ourselves have seen on this podcast. This but... is true. And I was fooled, so there you go. <laughs> All right. Backstage, Cassius Ono is there with a handsome dude with some serious sideburns. I did not catch his name. David? Maybe? Yeah, Dan Devone is uh, right. randomly here. Should I know? Is he a thing? No, don't worry about him. Okay. Ono is stoked about his win and ready to get some more under his belt and go for the championship. But Lana bursts in doing some Russian, but mostly also English. Like, <laughs> big mistake! Because apparently Ono should never have had the audacity, the unmitigated gall, the utter cheek to beat Rusev's time. So I guess this is going to be a thing. That's right. I love that this Beat the Clock challenge isn't only giving us the number one contender for Dallas, it's also giving us these other feuds springing off of the matches. It's really, yeah. I like the way this is done. I don't love Ono's response to her as much. No, there was one thing I did love about it, but I'll get into that. Well, I didn't love that he, uh, I mean, look, I like a good Rocky and Bullwinkle reference as much as the next guy, but he's very uh, condescending toward her, and it bothers me. Yes, I did not love how condescending he was. I thought that was kind of gross, but... Yeah. But speaking of things that aren't gross... Yes. It's match three. That's right. And the crowd is chanting for Adrian Neville, as well they fucking should be. This is like the first time I've heard them chant for Neville, um, aside from whenever he was wrestling Graves. It's like uh -huh. the crowd has finally discovered that Adrian Neville's fucking great. And I was like, why were you sleeping on him this entire time, you bastards? It's like when Corey Graves is removed from him, it's like a veil has been lifted, you know? Yeah, and uh, he's so great. 
So he's up against Aiden English. And while there's some back and forth, Neville is indeed full of the twists and turns that you'll never see coming as he promised. That's right. He bounces off the ropes to slide between English's legs and then pops up to sweep the legs of English, which felt like something from Dunstan Checks In. And I will admit, it has been a minute since I have seen that film. (laughs) But I am 90% sure that somebody slides through somebody's legs and trips them in some way in that film. That was my favorite movie ever for like a solid year of my life. I rented it from Blockbuster over and over and over again. And I can confirm to you that, yes, that does happen in Dunstan Checks In. Yes, I because love I've that seen movie it so 200 much. 200 times. <laughs> oh, man. English tries to sweep Neville's legs and Neville's like, yeah, no, have this sweet backflip instead and this free drop kick. But English is able to set up a vicious suplex slamming Neville down. And because Neville relative to Aiden English is so light, whenever he does that suplex, it is like a full grown man slamming like a pot of daisies onto (laughs) the ground, just like shatter. I love it. English has the momentum and is making good use of it, kicking the mushrooms out of this hobbit boy. But every time he tries for a pin, Neville kicks out because he's a good and noble halfling. And Neville gets to his feet and kicks English in the back of the thigh, following it up by flying at him like, that's for the Shire. (laughs) And of course, he has to set up the red arrow. Them's just the rules. That's right. But when Neville tries to get in position, English just rolls out of the way. And instantly I was like, oh, oh, what a heel. And then I was like, oh, that's right. He literally is a heel. (laughs) Took you a minute, huh? It really does. Every time. Every time. I'm like, but I like it in English so much. He's so fun to watch. He can't be a heel. Oh my God, he's a heel. (laughs) So he lures Neville over and clocks him enough to get him up and onto the ropes for something like a superplex, maybe? A Frankensteiner? A moss-covered (laughs) three-handled family credenza? These are the names of wrestling things. Technically, yes. These are just names of wrestling things. Not appropriate to the situation necessarily, but they uh, are words associated with it. That is that is factually correct. <laughs> but we'll never know what he was going for. No, we won't, because he's going for this thing from the top rope. But Neville does something to English. We don't really know quite what that causes him to just sort of swoon from the top rope and hit the mat. I thought it was a headbutt, but I could have been wrong. Okay, the camera wasn't really tightly focused on that, so I, yeah. or at least I didn't seem to be at that particular moment, so my headcanon was just that he said something adorable in that Newcastle accent, and Aiden English was just like, oh, so cute, and just swooned. That shit would knock me over. I know, right? Ah, oh, that and William Regal's accent. These are two mm. really good accents, guys. Oh, yeah. so good. And there's 10 seconds left on the clock. Neville does the red arrow and gets the pin, beating the clock by three seconds. That's right. Yay! And then backstage. It's the Ascension, just hanging out in their blue light area. Just yep. wanted to warn Camacho and Hunico that, like, they're going to eat them, so maybe don't challenge them. <laughs> You know, it's the weirdest part of that is that I realized that they're actually in that interview area with the girders. Yeah. And they just darkened it and put a filter on it. I thought they were in like a storage closet. I thought that was going to be way more atmospheric. But no, they're just in the regular part where they do everything. (laughs) I was kind of disappointed, but there you are. Don't break kayfabe, Bob. They're in their castle. They're in their castle. Just happens to have a lot of girders in it, you know. (laughs) That's right, like castles do. Match four. Okay, now it's time for my bouncy puppy boy, and he's going up against notable psychopath Leo Kruger. That's right. Zane seems so over the moon to be back in the ring. He is bouncing all over the place and, like, looking at the crowd, being delighted. And they've only got four minutes and 45 seconds to get this done. And then, oh, wait. Bo has taken a page out of his big brother's book and dragged a chair out to the ramp to sit there and watch. Mmm. Ominous. Zane seems a little distracted by Dallas because Kruger gets him in the head for a second. But Zane catches his arm and does a backslide that Kruger kicks out of, and Kruger does a snappy suplex that pops back like a mousetrap smacking Zane down. Zane is looking a little rough now and taking some kicks to the gut. 
With a little bit of distance, though, Zane is able to leap to the top rope and do a high crossbody at Kruger. And it was so cool because he's on the second rope. And then without really using his hands, he just jumps to the top rope and then just leaps at Kruger. Like, it just is a thing he does every day because he's so cool. (laughs) Optimum cool. So he does that high crossbody. And you'd think that would be enough to get Kruger down. But it just irritates him because he does an elbow drop on Zane and then lands and blows to the head that makes Zane a little punch drunk. Zane is wobbling a little bit, but then Kruger goes for an Irish whip. And Zane is able to do his Street Fighter double jump. Oh, where he it. somehow he does a kick and then he does a more different upper higher kick. <laughs> Kruger's not phased for long and still has enough power for a spine buster. So Zane is struggling up, but Kruger runs at him with a clothesline. That is a spine buster. Very good, Bob. Thank you. I only know it was a spine buster because they said it on commentary. Yeah, but you're right. <laughs> Thank you, William Regal and Alex <laughs> Riley and Byron Saxon for not being wrong about that. And then, oh shit, Kruger's got him down. Pin. Kick out by Zane. Kruger tries to pin him again, kick out by Zane. Kruger changes position and pins him again, but Zane rolls him and has Kruger pinned. One, two, three. Ah, ah, Zane did the thing. He did. Cut to Bo Dallas looking worried, and the clock was at zero when Zane got the pin, which means that we're going to get to see two Flippy Boys fighting next week, and I cannot wait to see Good Good Hobbit Boy versus Good Good Doggo Boy. I also cannot wait. Spoiler alert, the match that they're about to have, whoo, it's good. It is a very good match we're about to have. Uh, yeah, Zane and Neville, they got their wins at the exact same time, and JBL comes out to be like, well, I said we're not doing controversy here, so next week it's going to be Zane versus Neville to break the tie, and then the week after that, we're, that person will face Bodalis. So, like, again... Good work from JBL. Didn't think I'd be saying that, but... I know! I hate him less now, and that makes me angry, but I'm kind of relieved that I hate him less now. Yeah, he's just like, you know what? I wish I could blame... He even says, I wish I could blame the referee, but it happened to end in a tie. So, is what we're gonna do. Yeah, he does threaten the referee, which I was like, ah, you're a jerk. But also, you're being fair to Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville, so... That's right. Except your your ref-based cruelty this one time. (laughs) never again no refs are sacred they're so delicate be kind to them all right bob thank you for that breakdown and how did you find this episode why can't everything be a beat the clock challenge wasn't it fun yeah and having this strict time limit means that there's not just a winning the match pressure there's this external pressure that helps it keep it snappy, but also meant that normally you would get like these weird squash matches or you would get a match that's too long. And instead you get to see Cass actually wrestle and you get to see Rusev have to do more than just go, well, I've locked in my submission. That's the only thing I have to do to win. And you get to see Aiden English kind of do some stuff that he doesn't always get to do. It was great, and I was like, no, this should be the format most of the time. It was really well done. I don't know if it should be the format most of the time, but like... True, it, otherwise it wouldn't be special. Yeah, it might it might get old. Beat the Clock Challenges don't always work this well for me, but I love that all the matches were like within a minute of each other in terms of length, so nobody really looks terrible for not having yeah. won their match a little bit faster. And I love that instead of doing the usual wrestling thing... These guys are telling stories about, like, having to be quick and having to get these roll-up pinfalls, and everybody's just trying to pin their opponent as quickly as possible. It makes for a different style of wrestling show, and when the entire episode is built around it, it makes for a really fun, cohesive episode of TV that you don't really get in wrestling all the time, and it's not always this level of satisfying even when you do get it. Yeah. I just really want to shout out how good this episode is. I really enjoyed it. Agree. I think this is one of maybe in uh, in my top five. Yeah, I can see that. Well, we're going to find out what else is in your top five, Bob, because it's time for the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling.
So, Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? Hashtag butt watch. Oh, no. Not only does Cassidy have the New York skyline on his briefs, but the skyline itself, Miles, is leopard print. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't. It is the trashiest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> it's like something from a highly specific strip joint, and I love it. We find out during Cass's match that Enzo is also dealing with an injury, which is why he's not out there. So maybe that's Cass's tribute to his buddy. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be memorialized on their friend's ass? Honestly, you know what? I would. So there you go. Bob, you laugh, but it's completely plausible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What did your elf I see, Miles? Hashtag thighs watch? Oh, yeah. I don't know if you noticed this, Bob, but Aiden English has some new tights. I think they're new tights anyway. I haven't noticed yes. them before. In addition to saying Drama King on the butt, on each side there's like a theater mask, and one of them is like smiling and one of them is frowning. I really enjoyed it. I just thought it was really cool. I love them. Seriously, it's one of my favorite gear choices. I think the thing I love most about Aiden English's tights is that they're velour, so they're all, you know, that crushed velvet look? Yes. Of fucking course they are. He's that he's that extra. Absolutely. All right, Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear? Okay, so I didn't appreciate that Cassius on it was so dismissive. I really didn't like it. Mm -hmm. But also, when he refers to Rusev and Lana as Boris and Natasha, as somebody that grew up watching Rocky and Bullwinkle because my dad loved it, I really loved hearing that reference, even though I was like, oh, that's really dismissive and like Russophobic. But also, I love... Getting, why everybody should be referencing Rocky and Bullwinkle more because it's really great. Is it not a bit problematic? Yes, because it was made in the fucking 60s. But the comedy is so good and I love that show. So complicated ear feelings, but yes. Well, apparently this is the episode where we find out that Miles and Bob had the same fucking childhood because <laughs> I also grew up watching Rocky and Bullwinkle because my mom was super into it and I completely agree. Despite everything that I hated about the promo, I popped for the Rocky and Bullwinkle reference. Rocky and Bullwinkle, so man. So good. So good. I know. I love that the more we know, the more we're like, oh, man, we're the same person. Yeah. It's funny how that works. <laughs> Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? There's a moment that I want to shout out on commentary, which overall wasn't super great. But there's nah. a moment in the uh, the Sami Zayn-Leo Kruger match that I really enjoyed where William Regal talked about how because they're, they're trying to, like, pin each other back and forth. And because they're trying to do it so quickly, it's like Sami Zayn will hit a clothesline and then try to pin him or whatever. And Kruger kicks out almost immediately. So it's like, what the fuck are you doing, Sammy? Why aren't you waiting until you hit a bigger move before you try to pin him? And Regal does a great job of explaining the reason you do that is because you're not even thinking you're going to get the win in that moment, but you're making them expend the energy that it takes to kick out. And you're making them mm. use those muscles and you're tiring them out so that maybe they have a harder time kicking out of your pin later on after you have hit them with a big move. Just a really great note that I want to like just shout out because I've heard this a lot from people criticizing wrestling is like, look at him go for the pin. Surely he doesn't think he's going to get the win. And it's like, no, he's just utilizing a strategy. So, yeah, really enjoyed it. All right, Bob, what did your human heart feel? I mean, Sami Zayn winning. Like, yeah. I just got so caught up and I was seriously afraid that he wasn't going to win. I was sitting on the couch and like we were all going, oh, my God, I don't know. Is he actually going to win? Because maybe it's going to take longer for him to get that chance at the championship. And ah, uh, and then he won. And it was like, ah, everything's great. Sammy says the best. So he is the best. He's the best. All right. Miles, what did your human heart feel? Look. Devin Taylor, whatever, she's fine. What? Just just do the robot with Bailey. What is wrong I with you? Know. Bailey's like, Charlotte and I used to do the robot together, and now I'm sad because I don't have anyone to do the robot with anymore. Hey, Devin, will you do the robot with me? And she's just like, no, and leaves. Fuck you. I know. Just do the robot I with Bailey. That felt so unnecessarily rude, and I'm like, what, are you too fucking cool? Yeah, like, like you just got here. Well, I wanted to yell at the TV. Renee would have said yes. That's r absolutely Renee would have said yes. 
<sighs> Come All on, right. Devin. Get Come on Renee's level. Seriously. Well, those were the sight, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. It is now time for the wrestling term of the week, but first... We have to hear Bob's fanfic explaining the wrestling history of the week from two episodes ago. When we continued our look at the history of women's wrestling, I did not make it easy on Bob for this one, so I'm very excited to see what she came up with. This is a very specific fic. Okay. As it references another podcast. Okay. And one you may or may not listen to, but for the people who have listened to this other podcast, this is... Got several Easter eggs in it, I guess. I'm not going to do the accent. It was Wrestle Hysteria at the Millennium Dome, sponsored by Steel's Pots and Pans. A more prestigious wrestling and kitchenware event there couldn't possibly be. And Belinda Blumenthal was going to be defending her championship, and she was going to win, too. She parted the curtains and strutted to the ring with her fellow faction members, Bella, Maeve, and Giselle. They posed suggestively for the screaming crowd and then burst into their chant. G for gin, T for tonic. Our six titties are super sonic. We don't <laughs> mind men. We don't like fuss. We're the Glee team. Come and get us. The Glee team cheered. The crowd went mad, throwing black thongs and furry handcuffs into the <laughs> arena. The Glee team all gathered in her corner as Belinda ascended the solid steel steps to the ring. The Duchess was already there waiting for her in her white linen trouser suit. She tossed her Panama hat aside and charged at Belinda as the bell sounded. Belinda hadn't expected her to move so fast at her age, but the Duchess had always been full of surprises. The Duchess embraced her in a belly-to-belly suplex that let Belinda feel the Duchess's nipples pressed against her like the three-inch rivets which had held the hull of the fateful Titanic together. Their gravitas distracted her for a second as she felt the suplex take hold and slam her into the mat so hard it rattled her cervix. (laughs) Belinda felt the pomegranate-like breasts of the Duchess pinning her to the mat. She had to kick out. She jerked to the side at two, breaking the pin, getting her shoulder up. But the referee, a smallish man in black and white, counted the three. Belinda blinked. She watched the referee hand over the title to the Duchess. How could this happen? How could she be screwed out of her title like this? Belinda liked a good screw job as much as the next girl, but not like this. (laughs) The Duchess stood proudly, title in hand, and then looked at Belinda. Belinda, I'm not above offering a consolation prize, she said, looking hungrily at Belinda. Belinda looked around. It wasn't the Pentra, but it would do. She felt her nipples harden in anticipation as she unbuttoned the buttons of her button-up blouse and pulled out a pair of the furry handcuffs that had been thrown by the eager audience. She might have lost the title, but she wouldn't go home without something from the Duchess. Okay. I I (laughs) don't know what I just heard, but I liked it. What podcast is this referring to? It is from the podcast My Dad Wrote a Porno. Oh, you've told me about this show before. I want to listen to it. Yes. The Duchess was a character that Rafael Medina suggested, and it is one that I had been thinking about how to use. And this is absolutely non-canonical to the show in many, many ways, not (laughs) least of which because the Duchess would, I don't think, screw Belinda out of anything. Although with Rocky Flintstone as the author of Belinda Blinked, who can say... I had a feeling that the screw job was going to be the place you could latch on to in that uh, the wrestling history of the week, and I'm glad you were able to use it to put something <laughs> together. Yeah, it's definitely the most uh, in-wheelhouse. Well, thank you so much for that fanfic. I really enjoyed it. Uh, shout out to that podcast. And it is now time for this episode's wrestling term of the week, which is... Sportsmanship. Oh boy. Okay. Now, unlike many wrestling terms we've had, this one actually does mean what you think it means, Bob. However, there is a little bit more to the specific concept of wrestling sportsmanship. Wait, I want to stop you for one second and say, this is not a visual medium. But whenever you said it does mean what you think it means, I raised my eyebrow very strongly because that has never been the case thus far. There is a little bit more to the specific concept of wrestling sportsmanship. Okay, fair enough. Wrestling sportsmanship typically revolves around two things, the handshake 
and the hug. <gasps> Yay! It's also very much wrapped up in character alignments. The whole reason we're talking about this right now is because, as you know, the main event of next week's episode is Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville, which is our first real encounter, I think, with a true babyface versus babyface match. In a match where all parties are faces, be careful. A handshake could break out at any moment. Mm-hmm. They might shake hands before the match, they might shake hands after the match, or even during the match, after each one of them has landed a big move on the other or something. The handshake is such a clear and obvious indication of alignment that, in its early years, the independent promotion Ring of Honor used it as the primary way to delineate between their face and heel characters. Whoa. Ring of Honor didn't have a television show, so they couldn't count on the fans at their live shows, or even at their recorded shows, knowing that any given wrestler was playing a good guy or a bad guy. Their solution to this was the Code of Honor, a tradition in the promotion whereby all wrestlers were expected to shake hands before a match. If they did, or at least tried to, they were a babyface. If they refused to shake hands, they were a heel. It was that simple. That said, it's not unheard of for heels to shake the hands of their opponents. It's just a bigger deal when they do. One of the great wrestling tropes is the babyface earning the heel's respect, which ah. often takes the form of a post-match handshake. And no matter what your alignment is, if you get a post-match hug... Well, that's a bigger deal still. Oh my god. Hugs between wrestlers after their match is almost always indicative of closeness between the characters, between the performers, or both. Hugs also tend to occur on a more meta level than handshakes. Whereas handshakes usually exist to serve the story, hugs frequently occur in spite of or in addition to kayfabe. When the wrestlers know they just put on a good match, for example, or more boldly, when the performers have a real-life connection to one another. There's a reason that the curtain call, the infamous moment now remembered as the formal breaking of kayfabe, was just two guys hugging two other guys after a wrestling match. Hugs, unlike handshakes, aren't just signs of sportsmanship. If you ask a typical wrestling fan to name their favorite moments in wrestling history, at least half of the moments they talk about will involve hugs, I guarantee it. Yay! It's very arguable that the greatest thing you can achieve as a pro wrestler is a great match followed by a great hug. Hugs are the premier coinage of wrestling storytelling. Standing ovation. So uh, we're going to give Bob two weeks to work on that fanfic. I don't think she needs it in this case. <laughs> no, I but I need a lifetime at the same time to, to delve into the depths of these hugs. Yeah, and we have yet another guest coming on for the next episode, so a couple weeks for that one, Bob, but come back in two episodes to hear Bob's fanfic explaining wrestling sportsmanship. And now, it is time for the Cheap Pop Quiz! I'm gonna get that point. We will see. Question number one. Next episode, you will meet Natalie Neidhart known on WWE programming as Natalia. Oh. And she has a pre-existing beef with NXT Women's Champion Paige. Where does this beef come from? Is it A, Paige made her first main roster appearance prior to this taping by verbally attacking Natalia on Raw. Is it B, Paige made her first main roster appearance prior to this taping by verbally attacking Natalia on SmackDown. C, Paige made a guest appearance on the WWE reality TV show Total Divas, on which Natalia was already a regular cast member, and Paige accused Natalia of caring more about being a reality TV star than being a wrestler. D. Paige made a guest appearance on the WWE reality TV show Total Divas, on which Natalia was already a regular cast member, and Paige accused Natalia of only having a job because her father was the well-known wrestler Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Or E. No idea, there's literally no build-up to this whatsoever. I think it sounds like a thing Paige would say to accuse Natalia of caring more about being a reality TV star than being a wrestler. Okay, so you are answering C. Question number two. Next episode features Cesaro's return to NXT. Yay! Who does he appear to be starting a feud with? Oh boy. Is it A, Tyler Breeze? B. Leo Kruger. 
C. Alexander Rusev. D. Cassius Ono. Or E. William Regal. Oh, God. Um, well, he had some shit with Leo Kruger recently, so I feel like they're not going to go back to that well. Although, God knows, if I don't say that, they probably will go back to that well. Okay. Um, and Cassius Ono is going to be feuding with Rusev, so I feel like that doesn't make sense. This is my process of elimination. I I think it either has to be Tyler Breeze or William Regal, and both right, of those seem one? insane. <laughs> um, fuck it. Why not Tyler Breeze? Tyler Breeze. All right. I hope it's William Regal, though. <laughs> Question number three. Also next episode, in a segment too delightful for words, Bo Dallas encounters CJ Parker backstage. Oh, my God. Which of the following does not occur during this encounter? Is it A, Bo refers to Parker as Captain Fantastic and Polly Shore. B, Parker says, I didn't realize I was harshing your mellow, to which Dallas responds, I didn't realize you were still employed. Oh my god. C, Parker says that Bo, quote, just landed on the dark side of the moonchild. D. Before making his exit, Parker stares into the camera and says, Cuckoo Kachoo. Or E. All of these things occur. Oh, God. All of them. I just, it has to be all of them. How could it, how could a meeting between these two <laughs> nut jobs not be all of them? All right. Your answer is E. All of the above. And come back for the next episode where we will see if Bob has earned that elusive 10th point for another romance thing of her choice. And also, so you can meet Robin, and we can talk about wrestling fanfic together. Yeah. I'm very excited about our next guest. Robin Shriek is going to be here. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be feels for days, guys. Feels for days. All right, well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bob, as always, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for allowing me to join you on this journey. <laughs> As though I would deny you. Yeah. <laughs> Some other people who won't be denied, Bob, are our patrons who are so determined to support us that they give us money. Which is very kind. Very kind. It is. I want to talk about uh, them real quick. First of all, Bob, got some breaking news. Oh my gosh. Out of the next wrestling fan wrestling promotion. We have new champion. <gasps> so here's the deal. We had a title match set up, Bob, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, you and I knew about this. It was all over the internet, of course. Oh, the, absolutely. The next wrestling fan internet. We had a uh, title match set up between the current champion, well, at the time the current champion, Danny Blackson, the Dark Dragon. Yeah. And the first NXT wrestling fan wrestling champion, Neil. Mmm, okay. And uh, as they were, they had a, a match set up. It was going to be just the two of them, you know, the new champion defending against the first champion. But then, in a shocking reveal, somebody arrived in the next wrestling fan wrestling promotion who knows Neil very well. And it is his sister, a wrestler known as Changeling. Oh my goodness, Changeling. Changeling known yeah. as Neev on the independent circuit. Absolutely, Neev Butler on the independent circuit, but now has arrived in the next wrestling fan wrestling promotion as Changeling. A wrestler known for her intergender matches, being willing to wrestle uh, individuals of any uh, gender. One of the most prominent intergender wrestlers on the independent scene before arriving in the next wrestling fan wrestling promotion. A high flyer is Changeling, someone who goes to the top rope a lot, flies around the ring. Very different from her brother Neil, but uh, very effective in her moveset. Her finishing move is referred to as the Mickey Tractor. <laughs> <laughs> which Neev describes as, quote, some magnificent sort of flip from the top rope slash turnbuckle. I'm going to say the Mickey tractor is a shooting star press just because I love the shooting star press so much. Beautiful. So that, but it is the Mickey tractor, maybe even an extra rotation. Oh, if we want to be really impressive. And Changeling arrived on the scene here in our promotion, Bob. And that championship match was made into a triple threat match. Oh, my goodness. And Changeling was able to pin Danny Blackson to win the championship. Okay. Now, notably, 
Changeling did not pin her brother Neil, and I suspect that might be a feud coming up in the very near future, but time will tell. Thank you so much to Nia for being a $10 patron and for bringing Changeling to our promotion, our new NXT Wrestling Fan Champion. I love the Mickey Tractor so much. The Mickey Tractor is an amazing move. Not many people can pull off the Mickey Tractor. (laughs) And we have another uh, point of order to address in terms of the next wrestling fan wrestling promotion. We have been in touch with one of our patrons, Alex Grassdragon Corbett. And Alex has requested a change in the gender of uh, Alex's character here. So whereas before the character was Byron Blood, right? Yes, we have a, a small change, but I think a very Britishy, juicy change. We're very excited about this. The name of the character now is Bryony Blood. Yes. That's B-R-Y-O-N-Y, Bryony Blood. A uh, very dangerous striker here in the next wrestling fan wrestling promotion. So just want to make that update. Thank you so much, Alex, for getting in touch with us and letting us know what you wanted from your character. And please feel free, anyone else, to do that. We have no problems making a, a correction as we start building our roster here at the next wrestling fan wrestling promotion. I also want to say a little thing about Bryony. She yes. wears a tiny black veil that is mm. only a half veil, but goth as frick i fucking love it i love it so much we also wanted to mention that we have recorded the hatch full boyfriend episode the bonus episode that will be going up for our patrons did we ever boy boy we kit mulcaren joined us as a guest and took us on a journey she really did this is a really interesting episode <laughs> this guys. Is, listen live as it unfolds before you I did not know what was happening as we were recording. Like, my entire world changed as this recording went on. Yeah, it's... There may be a sequel. That's how amazing this episode was. That's how good it was. So it is being edited now. It should be up for you pretty soon. It's in the works. It's cooking. It's in the oven. Yeah, so if you want to listen to that bonus episode that was uh, brought to you by our patrons who helped us get to that $100 goal... You will need to become a patron over at patreon.com slash NXT wrestling fan. And of course, if you do, you will get your own wrestling character built into our little world here. So yeah. uh, once again, patreon.com slash NXT wrestling fan. We really appreciate it. In fact, we appreciate all of our fans and listeners so much that we are once again doing a wrestling watch party. Yeah. Where uh, if you want to, you can come watch a couple hours of wrestling with us. It's been tons of fun the last few times we've done it. And this one is going to be on August 30th, Sunday, August 30th, at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, and we're not sure what the card's going to be yet, but it's going to be yeah. pretty good. Bob might have some requests. We might theme this one a little bit like we did the last one. I don't know, Bob. You should think about uh, what kind of stuff you want to see. I will. All right. Well, I think that's about all we got. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you again in two weeks with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. With special guest Rob Intrigue. Yeah! Bye! The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. just leaps at Kruger like it just is a thing he does every day because he's so cool because he's cool (laughs) enough to wear a Misfits shirt (sighs) optimum cool 
He's like that guy that everybody in high school would be in love with and everybody would go, oh, he's so dreamy. But not like a jerk, just the guy that's super cool and everybody wants to be friends with. I can see that. I know, he's the one that everybody's like, I thought I was XYZ orientation, but maybe I'm just... Maybe? Maybe I'm just really into Sami Zayn. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's so cool. I love him. I love him I so know. I got lost in my place. I was like, just on a little, <laughs> a little Zayn daydream about him with a skateboard being cool. Ah, uh, where am I anyway? <laughs> 